Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined by Paul Johnson, who is the CEO of Power Metal Resources. Paul, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. So we're going to be discussing all things Power Metal Resources today, including your strategy, looking at specific assets, as well as the macro picture for resource companies. But before we do that, I just want to give everyone a quick note that's listening to this. Paul will actually be presenting at our upcoming Summer Investor Evening on the 30th of June. So you're not yet registered for that. Do check out the notes to this podcast and there'll be a link through to the event page where you can either sign up uh, for an in-person ticket, which is being held at Haberdasher's Hall in the City of London, or uh, if you aren't able to make that, there'll be a virtual option where you'll be able to, to dial in and see the presentations. So, Paul, for those that aren't familiar with Power Metal Resources, and I'm, I'm sure a number of listeners are because it's one that we we do cover quite regularly on the podcast would you be able to give us uh, a brief introduction into power metal resources and what you guys do yeah sure power metal was formed effectively three years ago in february 19 we took over uh a failed business in fairness that had been suspended <clears throat> because they ran out of money and uh, they had three projects in western central africa and over the course of the last three years we've been building a global portfolio uh, we've uh, now got circa 14, 15 projects in uh, th- across three continents, uh, and we cover around 10 uh, focused metals in the portfolio. So we're a diversified resource exploration and development play. Fantastic. So we're going to get into some of those resources and assets uh, that you're developing, uh, Paul. But I want to start with looking at the global picture at the moment, looking at the, the backdrop that you're you're operating in. Um, because, of course, on the horizon, we've got significant demand um, coming up for specific metals, particularly those metals that uh, have uses in electric vehicles and, and batteries. Uh, but we, we're seeing a little bit of softness out there in the, in the sector. I mean, how do you see this progressing through 2022 and you know is there a particular opportunity you see in a disconnect at the moment between the long-term potential of the sector as well as metal prices that you're exploring for and and where the sector is as a as a whole at the moment yeah our sector is a strange one because uh we we have these violent uh, cyclical runs uh from uh, massive peaks into major troughs and then back to massive peaks. It's very difficult, unless you've been through a few of these, like I have because I'm old now, uh, to actually see what's going on. And uh, at points like today, where you see uh, metal prices a little bit under pressure, but still doing quite well, uh, the junior resource companies, who are the major suppliers of big metal deposits in the future, because the larger firms have not really been focused on exploration for some decades now, uh, the junior resource companies are massively under the cosh and are almost thrown out like the baby with the bathwater. So... Hopefully, uh, we've got a great future ahead of us if it follows the normal cyclical pattern of uh, boom, then bust, then boom again. The world is not really changing away from metals. 
you know, quite the opposite, actually. The forward demand of metals, whichever area you look, really, whether it's industrialization, building great infrastructure, or whether it's the new technologies, green technologies, uh, electric vehicles and the infrastructure to support them, green technology, uh, you know, solar technology, all require vast amounts of metals. Uh, Energy is a big thing for us with all the wobbliness, shall we say, with oil and gas of late and the difficulties in being assured of supply. Well, uranium is sat there in the background because nuclear energy is probably the cleanest and uh, most uh, capable of filling the energy gap. Uh, going forwards. Uh, and then there's the issue of, uh, of precious metals. You know, people, we live in a worrisome world and uh, gold and silver will start to become far more prevalent in investor portfolios going forward. So I think the medium term and long term prognosis for the metals space is uh, astonishingly good. For the uh, junior resource sector that power metal is within, uh, you don't know in the short term how things are going to go. And irrationality in this type of market can last for far longer than you anticipate, albeit we've now had circa 18 months of falls in the junior resource companies. Uh, and that covered a period when metal prices reached you know, significant highs. So uh, I suspect we're, we're in for a recovery, but I don't quite know whether it's you know, next Tuesday or in three months' time, but it's coming out of that, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. I mean, it's something we spoke about on a, on a recent UK Investor Magazine podcast about the correlations between investor sentiment and even consumer sentiment and the junior uh, resource uh, sectors. You know, as there's perceptions that, that may sour, you, you tend to see a bit of a, a weakness. But as uh, the animal spirits start to return, that's when you, you tend to see uh, a recovery within the resource sector. But as you said, Paul, whether that's next Tuesday or further down the line, uh, that's one that we'll have to to wait and uh, see on. So, Paul, now let's drill down into Power Metal Resources yeah. strategy and, and your assets. So, first of all, um, particularly exciting pipeline of uh, deals and M and A for Power Metal Resources at the moment. You've got a number of companies you're looking at spinning out. Um, would you be able to sort of name a couple of those, go into their assets, and give guys a bit of a an overview um, on what the thinking is there with that strategy. Yeah, sure. Well, as, as a backdrop, uh, those of you familiar with James Blunt, if you go and have a look on his Twitter accounts, he's, uh, he's got the line that proof that one song is all you need. And, uh, of course, related to uh, You're Beautiful. But uh, in the resource space, it's pretty much the same. You only need one hit to make a massive company. A few years ago, I was involved in the restructuring, refinancing of Greatland Gold at 0.1 pence a share. And within five years of that financing transaction, the share price hit 38 pence. So if you were bottom to top, you would have made circa, you know, 400 times your money. It is an incredible space. Uh, You can sit back as a CEO of a company and you can do a modest amount of work in our space. Most of the companies run like this. You have a couple of projects. You tinker with them from time to time. uh, And uh, you, largely speaking, focus on covering operational overhead, including your salary. Uh, Or you can take a different approach, which is the approach that we've taken in the business, uh, recognizing over the last three years that there were... uh, With this rather difficult marketplace we've had for three years, uh, there will be opportunities available, big opportunities in our space that had tremendous value, were unrecognized and undervalued. And you can go and scoop them up, which is what we've done. 
we've uh, now, as I mentioned before, 15 projects, three continents, 10 metals. Uh, we've got large swathes of land in some of the biggest mining jurisdictions in the world. Uh, the Athabasca Basin for uranium in Canada. Uh, the uh, uh, Victoria Goldfields, a huge area there, one of the largest footprints uh, through our joint venture there. Huge amounts of Botswana and exploration and lots more within our business. And we've got a big tungsten deposit in Nevada, USA, uh, that's within one of our group companies. So we decided to go and swoop up as much as we could. And as much as we could really tolerate, in fairness, uh, we thought we'd do a quasi smash and grab, build the business out whilst people were not really looking uh, for new interests. And then as the sector got ready for a big run, we would then start to move some of those interests uh, into their own separate independent vehicles. Uh, because simply, you can't progress 15 projects across three continents as aggressively as you would like if you keep them all in-house. So we deliberately overbuilt with a plan that when the time was right, we would put things into certain things into their own vehicles. Uh, that would give them their own management, their own finance. It would give them their own energy, which is important in our space, uh, and increase the opportunity for discovery through any one package. Now, that's not with everything. That's with certain parts of our business. Other parts of our business we wanted to take forward uh, with our own internal exploration. But we thought, uh, I've been a, a long-standing director in the junior resource space, and one of the biggest things for the junior companies is to build its capital, its working capital, and its balance sheet, so that it has the financial strength to survive these peaks and troughs, of which there will be many more in the coming years. This isn't the end of it. You know, we, we'll see a major rise soon, and then we'll see another trough. So it's nice as a business to be fully armed up financially, able to stand on your own two feet, which is a central uh, tenant to the strategy of Power Metal. So, Paul, you, you, you've outlined there two clear strategies. One by creating value by uh, setting up and, and looking at IPOs for a new entity, and the other one keeping it in house and, and taking it through development stages towards production. How have you gone about deciding, and what have been the most important factors that have determined? which assets fall into either one of those two strategies? Yeah, sure. But partly, uh, <clears throat> I, I, do, I don't wish to use the, the kind of lower level terms, but it has been a, a controlled smash and grab. And when we've taken projects in-house, uh, you know, we've you know, acquired them or taken the joint venture interest with somebody else in them, you never entirely know where you're going with something. Our policy has been to do first stage phase one exploration across all of our project's interests. Uh, and that can be everything from detailed desktop work through to in the field drilling, you know, uh, depends on what the project needs. Uh, because two things, one that demonstrates we have a viable project. Uh, we take an idea into confirmation of metal prospectivity. And secondly, it increases the value of any one project's interest. When we get to that point where we know a bit more about the, the projects that we have within the portfolio, we can then take a view. We can look at the way the world is going and we can say, you know, which project packages stand on their own two feet by themselves and, and could actually support uh, a listed vehicle, for example. And one example of that would be uh, we acquired a package of projects in uh, Nevada, USA, which uh, was centered around the Pilot Mountain Tungsten Silver uh, Copper Zinc project we acquired from another AIM company, Thor Mining. We have a very uh, potentially high-impact gold exploration project, Golconda, 
uh, within that package and two uh, other uh, projects, Garfield and Stonewall, all focused on Nevada. And my experience over the last uh, 15 years in this space has been that UK investors do like and have an interest in North American projects, particularly in the USA. There aren't many opportunities for investment, so it seemed like a perfect vehicle. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, uh, we uh, acquired in early 21 a package of licenses in uh, Ontario in Canada in what they call the Schreiber-Hemlo area. And this was a collection of uh, claims, effectively, that uh, early stage exploration claims. Uh, we came across another company at the time called First Class Metals who were doing something similar in Ontario in uh, the Schreiber-Hemlo. And what we decided to do there was to vend our projects, Power Metals Interests, into First Class Metals uh, to make their business bigger and to enable them really to do a listing uh, on the London capital markets, which is in the very late stages now. So uh, that's another form of uh, vend out disposal, value creation events, but done through a slightly different mechanism. So really, we take it one step at a time, one project at a time, and just work out what fits. There will be more. Uh, there are some more underway. We've got first development resources focused on uh, Australian exploration in the Northern Territory and Western Australia. We have new Ballarat Gold Corporation, which is focused on Victoria Goldfields exploration in Australia. Uh, and we are doing various work across the portfolio to create other uh, vehicles, spin outs and disposals as we speak right now. So it's quite an active period for us. Uh, we, we don't start out with a specific plan for any one project necessarily, uh, but we usually do it via a process of uh, iterative development. So you've obviously outlined there a strategy of selecting assets and building them um, you know, within the, the power metal house or earmarking them for you know, potential IPO. I mean, should, I mean, should investors pull view power metals as, a, as an investment company within mining or, or is it one that maybe has some characteristics of looking to take projects through to uh, production or, or is it, you know, really a, a combination of both of those and you wouldn't want to be put into any one basket? Oh, every company in the junior resource space is an investment company. And the central premise of what we do is that we, we, we buy something, uh, we invest in it, and we hope that the capital value of what we've created at the end of the road is worth something considerably more to a third party that will want to take it off us. Now, I suppose within that, you've got companies that do go down the production route, but there's so many uh, differences between an exploration business and the production business. Uh, it, it requires a completely different management and operational technical skill set. Uh, I don't think we would be within power metal uh, desirous of going down the production route. I've seen many companies have a crack at that, moving from exploration to production. And there's been a few successes, but there's been far too many failures. So I think our job is to find interesting projects, to do work on them, to put them in a corporate state whether it's through disposal spin outs uh, listed vehicle or whether it's through internal development to put them in a state where they are attractive for much larger concerns uh, to come in and either acquire or to joint venture and develop using their skills alongside our innovation as it were so 
Paul, I just want to touch now on your your investment process, on how you go about selecting and how you have gone about selecting assets for the power metal portfolio. I mean, would you say in the past, is it more of a macro picture when you're looking at specific metals and saying, okay, we want to be exposed to this metal because it's got a favorable macro picture, whether that's the safe haven of gold or the growth in EVs, looking at uh, lithium, for example, or are you more focused on the specifics of any one project? And if, as you say, that you can stand on its own two feet, it's in a favourable jurisdiction that you'd like to focus really on those ones that you can see developing. I mean, where, where would you say if they were on two ends of a scale, would, would you sit in terms of your investment process? Oh, well, if I look at my, my career, if that's the right word, on 10 years in, in London, my biggest successes have come from investing in either companies or projects that people hate at the start, which is uh, uh, perhaps the contrarian's uh, perfect situation to be in. Uh, it's difficult, really. The, uh, much of the junior resource space is in a, inefficiently run. And for many years, mu- much of the mid uh, tier and large cap uh, resource companies were very poorly run as well. I'm quite surprised actually that we have so many metal cars. You know, given the some of the things I see in the junior resource sector, I'm amazed anyone makes discoveries. Uh, the cyclicity is difficult to deal with. I've got uh, one of the uh, unique jobs in the world where I can work like uh, a beast. You know, do huge amounts of hours. I can make dramatic progress with my team finding and developing <clears throat> incredible projects uh, where technically we can see exactly what's happening. And yet I can be lambasted for being an incompetent fool on discussion boards, Twitter accounts, yeah. and other social media. So uh, realistically, I think you've got to have a bit of a thick skin when it comes down to how you pick and choose your projects. What we try to avoid in our business is spoofing as much as possible. We've gone for the jugular with both big project acquisitions and also investing proper money straight away in their development rather than just leaving them sat there. It's not always been possible, but largely speaking, we've achieved it. So when we started doing the Athabasca uranium investing, we did months of preparatory work and then we went for it in late 2021, and now we've got 450 square kilometres over seven properties, uh, some of the most strategic land in the Athabasca, just primed in time for the big uranium upsurge, which we believe is coming. And uh, so you're right to an extent, we do do some preparatory work. We have tried to create a portfolio that covers a number of metals, precious metals, strategic metals, and uh, energy metals. Uh, but really, we, we've just taken what's in front of us and our knowledge and contacts and connections to try and build the portfolio as rapidly as we could. We 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 don't know how long uh, the down phase uh, is going to be in any cyclical market. And the opportunities disintegrate in front of you when things get good again. So our desperately bad sector at the moment, which is really winding everyone up, is going to morph into probably one of the biggest bull runs we've ever seen in the commodity space. No one will do wrong when that happens. Project valuations will go through the roof when that happens. And people who are sat there with new opportunities will want big bucks for them. 
We're not worried about that because we've kind of built our portfolio. Our main focus going forward is likely to be uranium opportunities. <clears throat> and there might be something else that comes along, but pretty much we've we've done the building phase of the company. And we sat there with swathes of land that we think have dramatic upside potential going forward. Fantastic. So, Paul, to finish off now, and I think uh, myself and listeners probably know the answer to, to to one of these questions at least. Of course, you've got a very diverse portfolio of minerals and assets. So looking for two answers here, Paul. Um, which one project excites you the most and which one mineral excites you the most? Uh <clears throat> I get. I do get asked this question a lot, and I did actually try and answer it recently. Uh, I, it's a difficult one. Metal-wise, uh, it's always the metals that are slightly obscure that deliver the most. And if you tie that obscure metal with favorite project together, you get the Pilot Mountain Tungsten Project in Nevada, which is within our Golden Metal Resources PLC uh, subsidiary. And that's uh, seeking a listing in London. Uh, it's quite late stage in the process. Uh, because <clears throat> the metals that are slightly more obscure tend to experience quite dramatic demand periods. And that's certainly going to happen. Tungsten is a critical metal in the United States Geological Survey's list of critical minerals. It's uh, They don't produce uh, tungsten locally in the United States. They import, they recycle they use the strategic reserve, that kind of thing. So we, we've got the, uh, let's just say, one of the biggest established tungsten uh, deposits in North America, and it's perfectly primed for the right time in the market. Uh, oh, in terms of, uh, there's plenty of other projects within the business that are inspirational. I am, and it's difficult to select just two or three uh, from that list. In terms of metals, it's slightly easier probably because if we put tungsten to one side for now, the, the obvious metal of the future is uranium. And uh, back in 2006-07, there was a dramatic uranium cycle with a massive uplift in the valuation of the metal. A dramatic, dramatic uplift in the value of the juniors that were uh, exploring uh, and uh, developing projects uh, focused on uranium metal. And if you... Uh, you look at what happened there. I think we're going to experience something similar, if not bigger, again this time around. The only uh, thing is, if you look at London markets, there's almost no uranium investing opportunities. There's a few companies, but they're quite highly valued. There's not much in the junior space. So I think uranium for our marketplace in London is particularly attractive. Fantastic. That's great. Paul, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much. And Paul, looking forward to welcoming you to the uh, investor conference we have coming up next week on the 30th. So I'll see you there. And as I said at the beginning, anybody that's not signed up for that yet, you can still sign up for an in-person ticket. I think there's a, a few left there. But of course, we've got unlimited virtual seats. So if you're not able to make it to London, do sign up for a virtual seat at the event. So I hope to, to see you there. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.